The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, well, take your Bibles out with me, and let's turn to Psalm 29. Psalm 29, you can remain seated as we read tonight. Let's look beginning at verse number 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory of God thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time that we have tonight. As we gather around your word, I pray that your spirit would instruct us. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place with a zeal and a desire to live for you. Bless our time together now. Bless the preaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to preach a message to you tonight that I've entitled, When God Speaks. When God Speaks. Some of you may be old enough here uh, to remember the old E.F. Hutton commercials. How many of you remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? The scene is set where there's a, a group of business professionals sitting in a restaurant and they're dining. And you can hear people talking in the background and plates are clattering and silverware and ushers are, are uh, waiters are busy going from table to table. And one of the people at the table will say, well, my, my financial broker said that I should do this or I should do that. What does yours say? And the other speaker at the table says, well, my financial advisor is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, and suddenly, there's silence. And everyone in the room bends an ear to hear what E.F. Hutton has to say. Now, I don't know what E.F. Hutton has to say because I don't have investment funds. Matter of fact, the only thing I have is we have an empty one of these water cooler bottles, we have one of those empty at home that we're saving money to take the grandkids to Disneyland with. And that's the closest thing to an investment fund that I have. So I don't know what E.F. Hutton has to say. And quite frankly, I don't care what E.F. Hutton has to say. I want to know what God has to say. And when God speaks, men need to learn to listen. In my research... I found that there are 722 passages of scripture referencing a direct statement from the Lord to man. 
Statements which include, thus saith the Lord, or God hath said, or God doth speak. 722 times in the Bible, I have found a reference to this. Yet, tonight, men still do not listen to God. This book that we have in our possession tonight is the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is inspired. Yet it is generally unheard. It contains 774,746 words. 31,173 verses. Every word is God communicating with man. Every word in the Bible is God communicating with you and with me. When God speaks, certainly one would think that when God speaks, men would give their undivided attention to every word. But this is not the case. The Bible tonight remains among the world's best-selling books. But for, for, from the condition of mankind tonight, as we sit here in this place, it is obvious that few, though they may own one, few are actually reading or comprehending it. Men attend seminars given by supposed experts to improve their marriages, to improve their businesses, to sharpen their social skills. They attend seminars on how to resolve conflicts, on how to get rich, and everything else. Yet, tonight, men fail to avail themselves to the counsel of God and his word. We as a nation have turned our backs on God. And we as a Christian nation have stopped our ears to his voice. We have removed God and his word from our schools. Our children no longer are, are taught the things of God in their daily school life. We've removed him from our schools. We've removed him from our government halls. We've removed him from our university campuses. We've removed him from the workplaces. And I dare to say, in some cases, we've even removed him from our daily lives. God continues this evening as he has from the beginning of time, to speak to men. But the question is, do men listen? God today does not come to men and with an audible voice speak. I'm not standing here tonight and say, this afternoon God came to me and he said something to me. Listen, if I ever say that, do me a favor, okay? Take me out back and shoot me. Just put me out of my misery. He doesn't speak with an audible voice today, yet he speaks as clearly today as he did when he spoke with Adam in the Garden of Eden. So how does God speak to us today? I apologize that I didn't have enough time to, to put together a PowerPoint for tonight. Uh, I, I had to do a lot of scrambling around today, so I'm going to do my best to give you all the points on your study sheets there. So you should have some bullet points at the top of your study sheet. And 
These are they. How does God speak to us today? Well, first, God speaks to us through the written word. He speaks to us through the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, For the word of God, which is referring to the Holy Scriptures, for the word of God is quick, and that word quick means alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is is alive. It's a living book. It, it breathes to us the very breath of God, the very word of God. It imparts to our minds and our hearts the truth of God's word. It speaks to us tonight. When I read this precious book, this precious book, it comes alive and speaks to me. And every believer here tonight can testify the same thing. Have you ever noticed how when you, when you focus your mind and start reading the Bible, have you ever noticed how it, it pulls you inside of it? It draws you, doesn't it? It consumes you. And that is because it is a powerful word. It is, it is the word of God for you and I tonight. God speaks to us through the written word. But then also God speaks to us next. Through preaching. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 17 we read. Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That by me the preaching might be fully known. And that all the Gentiles might hear. God uses preaching to speak to his people. Oh how I love to hear preaching. And not my own by the way. Once or twice, I've actually sat down and listened to one of my sermons, and I wept. And I didn't weep because it was something beautiful to hear. I wept because I thought I did such a terrible job of getting God's word across. But I love to hear preaching. Oh, I remember when I was just a newborn Christian, just barely saved. I I would go to church. I couldn't wait to get there. And, And by the way, I still can't wait to get here. And get in that pew and sit down and listen. And as, as the, as that man would speak, I knew he was just a man. I knew he wasn't God. I knew he had, he had no special, uh, nothing special. But as he preached and spoke the word of God, the word of God, as that, as that two-edged sword pierced into my heart and changed my life. God speaks to us through preaching. My words this evening are not inspired. I can't stand here tonight and say God inspired me to say this because he didn't. They're not inspired. They are, however, empowered. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. God can and does use them to convey to you his message to you tonight. He speaks to us through the written word. He speaks to us through preaching. But then thirdly, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and verse 26 we read, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells 
within our within us. He he lives within our heart and within our minds, and he 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 speaks to us and he he teaches us. And when when you hear preaching, he confirms the truth of that into your heart. He he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Now we know that man cannot discern spiritual things. We understand that. The Holy Spirit must communicate them to us. They must be spiritually discerned. So it stands to reason that God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. So I I hope now that we've established that, that God does indeed speak to us today. He hasn't left us without without his influence in our lives. And now that we've established some of the methods by which he accomplishes this, let us move on tonight and let me ask three questions. Three questions concerning when God speaks. Question number one is this. When God speaks, do you hear his voice? When God speaks, do you hear his voice? In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 24, Moses writes, And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now this account in Deuteronomy was a literal voice, as the people of God uh, stood there, God from within the fire upon, uh, upon Mount Sinai spoke to the people and they heard his voice. A voice is a unique characteristic. A person can be identified by their voice. How many of you under- realize that? I'll pick up the phone and I'll dial to my parents' house and my dad will answer the phone and I'll say, hey dad, And he'll go, hi, son. He knows my voice. Sometimes I'll call Pastor Smith. Pastor Smith and I have been together for a long time now. We work very closely together. I'll call him up and and he'll answer the phone. I'll say, hey there. And that's all I have to say. He'll say, oh, hey, Brother Dalton. A voice is unique, isn't it? You you recognize voices. You You recognize people's voices. I read something interesting. It goes this, in penguin species, birds breed in large colonies where nest sites are often densely packed, providing enormous possibility for confusion. In these species, it has been proven that individual recognition between mates and between parents and their chick is achieved by acoustic signals. In other words, amongst the thousands of squawking penguins, they can discern the voice of their mate. From all these other penguins, they'll recognize the voice of their mate. And they recognize the voice of their children, of their little chicks. And the the little chicks recognize the voice of their parents. So we are to assume today, so are we to assume today, that penguins can do what we cannot Are we to believe that we cannot discern the voice of the Lord from all of the noise of this world? Well, I don't know about you tonight, but I can. And each of us here must not only hear, but we must respond to the call of God. The first thing we must respond to is the call unto salvation. 
There may be some of us here tonight, maybe some of you here tonight, that you've never been saved. You've never been called, on, you've never heeded that call unto salvation. You know, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of gardening in my life. And my wife's father loves the garden. He's got, he's got like a two-acre garden. And he just loves it. But you know, in all the gardens I've ever been in, I've never seen a garden where, that doesn't have weeds. You know that? I don't care how hard you try to keep them out of there, they're going to get in there. And the truth of the matter is that in every crowd of people, there are some that are not saved. There may be some here tonight who, who aren't saved. You must hear and answer this call unto salvation. In John chapter 10, Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. He said, but ye believe not, now listen to this, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. All of you here this evening can hear my voice. But my voice cannot save. The question is, do you hear the voice of Christ? For only his voice can save. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus and Jesus alone calls you. And Jesus and Jesus alone saves you. Only the shepherd can save the sheep. And Jesus is the shepherd. And we are the sheep. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and they follow him. The call unto salvation. Have you heard that call tonight? Then don't don't ignore it. Answer that call. But then there's also another call, and that's the call unto separation. Second Corinthians chapter six, Paul writes, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? You, you know, you can't have light and dark in the same space. Did you, did you know that? If you turn on a light, the darkness flees. If you remove the light, the darkness resides. But you can't have light and darkness occupying the same space. And when we get saved, we are the light of the world. Jesus, the light, lives within us. Therefore, there can be no darkness. So we must separate from the darkness of this world. The Lord has called us to come out. Come out from among them, he says, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Not to blend in, not to conform. You you should be someone that is clearly different from the world. We are new creatures. We have been admonished to be transformed, to to be changed or to be altered in form, appearance or nature. We are to look and behave different from this world. We are to be noticeably different. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter writes, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, 
a peculiar people. I've said before, I've known some pretty peculiar Christians, so a lot of them really fit into this description, but we are to be a peculiar people. And the reason we are peculiar is because we do not conform to this world. We do not agree with, with what this world has to offer us. A peculiar people, he writes, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this is referring to our entire life, not just our outward appearance. There are some, some groups around our nation today that place all the emphasis on the outside. But they don't pay any attention at all to the inside. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus warned about this. He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Sometimes people might say, you know, Brother Don, you were a little hard on people. I don't know if I like that. Well, Jesus was pretty hard on him, wasn't he? He's addressing this group of spiritual leaders and he's, he calls them hypocrites. Why? He said, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers. Or in other words, you're like an ivory coffin. Which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And we know that the transformed Christian began his transformation in inside, in the mind. In the new man, in the inward man that he is. So we have the call to salvation. We have the call to separation. But then also we see the call unto service. Joshua twenty four fourteen. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. God calls for his people to serve him today. In the home, God wants your home to be a place of service unto him. On the job, God wants you on the job to serve him, to be an ambassador for him, to be a witness for him. During recreation, we are to serve God. This would imply characteristics such as honesty, integrity, compassion, Witnessing. It would imply living in the spirit, possessing love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So first, when God calls tonight, do you hear his voice? But then, secondly, I want to ask a second question concerning when God speaks, and that is this. When God speaks, do you heed his command? First, do you hear his voice? If you don't hear, if you're not hearing his voice, you may not be saved. You may need to, you may need to address that first. But then if you are saved and when he calls you and you hear his voice, do you heed his command? I shared this with you sometime recently. I don't know. I've preached so many messages lately. I, they're all kind of jumbled up. One runs into the other. I don't remember when I said what. So if you have it down recorded, you can, I'm in trouble. But you remember the story I shared with you about, about Samuel and Saul. 
how Saul was not obedient. God told him to go to Amalek and, and to destroy everything, kill every, everything, kill all the men, all the women, all the children, all the beasts, everything, not to keep anything alive. And, and my point tonight is not to debate whether that was right or not. God is righteous and everything God does is right. He has his reasons. But my point is Samuel didn't, Saul didn't obey him. Saul did not, he spared King Saul or King Agag alive. And he spared the women and, and the children. And he spared some of the beasts. And when Samuel came to him, Saul said, well, you know, the people wanted to, to do these things. The people wanted to save these so that we could make a sacrifice and an offering unto God. And then in verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And from that moment forward, we see the kingdom of Israel slipping through the fingers of King Saul. And, and, and God gave the kingdom unto David, a man after God's own heart. So when we hear God speak to us, do we heed his command? Do we obey what he tells us? Why do men disobey God? I, I wish I could answer that question, for if I could... I would be able to keep myself from disobeying God. However, what I do know is that obedience is a choice that we make. We choose to obey or we choose to disobey. In Romans chapter 7, Paul writes, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Paul says, I know what I ought to do, but the things I should do are the things I don't do, and the things I shouldn't do are the things I do. And that is our situation, isn't it? I mean, if we want to be honest tonight and, and, and not hide behind uh, hypocrisy, we'd have to admit we know what we ought to do, but sometimes we just don't want to do it. And, and sometimes we just disobey God. Nothing, nothing mysterious about it. We just choose to disobey the Father. Now, when God speaks, do we heed his command? Now, I do not profess to have, to have arrived in this matter. I'm not standing here tonight and tell you, oh, I never disobey God. Remember, James tells us if we say we have no sin, we are a liar. Huh? None of us can sit here tonight and say we don't have any sin. Because if we do, we're, we're just a liar. The truth isn't in us. That's what James tells us. So we, we know that we disobey God. I do not profess to have all the answers and know why men disobey God. But there are a few very obvious reasons as to why we disobey. First, we disobey because of doubt. Plain and simple, just because we doubt. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. What he's saying is, 
He's saying, Lord, I want to believe. I desire to believe. But I need your help. I can't believe without you. How often do we fail to follow the admonitions of the Lord? Because in our hearts, we just plain simply doubt. But then also, uh, because we doubt our own unworthiness. God cannot possibly, we say things like, God cannot possibly love someone like me. And this goes back to the philosophy that God saved me because of some good he saw in me. But this is absolute, I'm going to give you a, a spiritual Latin term. This is absolute hogwash. There is no good in me. God didn't save me because he saw good in me. God saved me because it was his will, it was in his purpose. And that's why he saved me. God saved me because he chose to save me, to bring glory to himself. He chose to save me, and he chooses to bless me. Not because I am worthy, but because Christ is worthy. He does this for Christ's sake and Christ's glory and not mine. We doubt because of our unwillingness. We, we believe that God only helps those who help themselves. And again, we go back to that Latin spiritual term. It's hogwash. God continually delivered Israel, even though they were never willing to fully follow him. God's faithfulness to us does not depend upon our willingness. This is a human philosophy, not a divine one. God is faithful to us regardless of us. He is faithful to me because he has promised he would be faithful to me. Not because I am worthy, because I am not. And not because I am willing, because I am not. Simply because he is. He's faithful to me because it's his will to be faithful to me. We disobey because of doubt. But then secondly, letter B on your study sheets, is we disobey because of fear. We disobey because we're afraid to obey. You all know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king passing the order that everyone in the kingdom, when they heard the, when they heard the instruments play, were to bow down and worship the, idol, the image that he had raised. And Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to obey because it would have been a violation of God's commands. So they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. And in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16, we read, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee. In this matter. And that word careful there means we are not fearful or we're not afraid. We're not, af- they stood before him and said, We're not afraid to tell you we're not going to bow down to your idol. Do what you will to us, but we refuse to disobey God. I wonder how many of us would have taken that position. Many today choose to disobey because of fear. Afraid of what others may say. Afraid of what others may do. Afraid of what others may think. Well, ponder on this for a moment. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, we read, And I send to you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And who has that power? God the Father. 
And that's the only, that's the only person we should fear, is God the Father. What's the worst thing anyone can do to me? Well, the worst thing they could do is strap me in a chair and make me listen to a TV evangelist for 12 hours. <laughs> the worst thing anyone can do to me is kill me. But all they can do is kill this flesh. They cannot touch my soul. My soul is safe in the hand of God. But God can do whatever he wants to do to my soul. He may have, he may have redeemed me and may have saved me, but... It's kind of like in that little cartoon that they, they made, Aladdin or something, where the genie says he can't, he can't kill anyone, but you'll be, you be surprised what you can survive. The Lord can make your life pretty miserable if he wants to. So we need to learn tonight that, that we, we don't need to be afraid of others. We need to be afraid of the Lord. The spirit of the Antichrist wants you to doubt. He wants you to fear. But we know that Christ is greater than Satan, and we know that Christ dwells within us. For in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, we read, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We disobey because of doubt. We disobey because of fear. But then thirdly, letter C, we disobey because of selfishness. We disobey because of selfishness. I don't have time to turn to Mark chapter, seven, ten, Mark chapter 10 and read the verses there. It's concerning the rich young ruler who came to Jesus seeking, seeking counsel and Jesus told him to sell all that he had and, and to give it unto the poor and to follow him. We see here that that young man was not willing to part with his own wealth. He was selfish and this selfishness led to his disobedience to the truth given him by Christ. So some men disobey because they're just too selfish to, to give up their time, to give up their treasure, to give up their talent. They disobey. Do not allow tonight doubt, fear, and selfishness to keep you from obeying God. Who will you trust? Will you trust God or will you trust your own depraved heart and mind? Solomon told us in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We must commit our way unto the Lord, and trust in his righteousness to guide us. When God speaks, do you hear his voice? When God speaks, do you heed his command? And then thirdly and lastly tonight, when God speaks, do you hasten? To do his will. In John chapter 4. In speaking to his disciples. Jesus said unto them. My meat. Is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months. And then cometh harvest. Behold I say unto you. Lift up your eyes. And look on the fields. For they are white already. To harvest. Do you remember the story in scripture of Abraham? And Abraham was, was 90 years old and Sarah, his wife, was 80. And, and God visited them and they had a son. You remember that story? And it's, what was that son's name? It was Isaac, the son of promise. God promised Abraham that through Isaac he would build a great nation. So Isaac is born and he's growing and... And I know how fun that is because I'm watching my grandchildren grow. 
and, and it's so fun. And Abraham's watching Isaac. Here he is, an old man. He, he's old enough to be his grandfather. And he's watching little Isaac grow. And oh, Isaac's walking. Yay, Isaac, you walk. Yay. And they're watching him grow and everything. How exciting it is. How wonderful it is. And Isaac is now probably around 15 or 16 years old. Maybe 17 or 18. And they're going to bed at night. And Abraham lies down. And suddenly he's awakened by the Lord. And God says, I want you to take Isaac. And I want you to take him to a mountain that I will show you. And I want you to sacrifice him there unto me. Now, as, as a father and a grandfather, I don't, I don't know how I would be able to do that. How I would be able to take my own child, and lay him on a, a wooden altar and take a knife and, and slay him and offer him up unto the Lord. I don't know how I'd be able to do that. But you know what the Bible says? Does, does the Bible say Abraham struggled within his heart? And, 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 and troubled him in, in his life for weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years to obey the Lord. No. You know what the Bible says? He rose up early the next morning and took his son Isaac and some servants. And he brought fire for the, for the, for the sacrifice and wood. And he started on his journey to this mountain. He got up very early the next morning and obeyed the Lord. He hastened to, to obey the Lord. Abraham didn't know how it was going to take place. He didn't know what was going to happen. But he knew he had to obey the Lord. But can I tell you something? Abraham did sacrifice Isaac. You'd say, no, he didn't. Brother Dalton, there was a ram up there caught in the thickets. And that's what he sacrificed to God. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm telling you something. When he got up out of his bed and decided to obey God, that was his sacrifice. You understand what I'm saying? He was prepared to give up the most precious thing in his life to obey the Lord. Do you think God would have actually commanded? Do you think he actually wanted Abraham to go kill Isaac? He just wanted Abraham to understand what it means to sacrifice to him. It means to give up our will. It means to let go of what we are holding on to. It means to give up that thing in our life that keeps us from obeying him. That's what it means. When God speaks, do you hasten to do his will? The enemy of every believer is procrastination. The idea that I can do it tomorrow. Well, I will, I will, be, I will start reading my Bible tomorrow. Well, I will, I will start serving God and doing things for God tomorrow. Solomon warned us in Proverbs chapter 27 where he states, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Jesus warned us of this philosophy of putting off until tomorrow what we know to do today. In John chapter 9 and verse 4 he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. This is a mistake of many of our young believers today. The idea that I'm still young and I have lots of time to start serving God. But let me remind all of you young people here that James in James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We need to, we need to hasten to obey. Hasten to do the will of God. Stop resisting God. Stop fighting against God in your life. And submit yourself. Commit yourself to the Lord. Be like Abraham. Knowing that God is going to work all things out for the best in your life. And just do what God tells you to do. Has God spoken to you? Has he spoken to you about serving him? Has he laid it on your heart this evening to do something in his service? Then don't put it off for another moment. Get busy and start serving God. Whatever it may be, just remember this. I believe I I have this statement on your study sheets. Just remember this. Today is yesterday's tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Do you know that tomorrow there will be another tomorrow? And tomorrow is today's tomorrow. And every day, tomorrow will be there. So if you say, I'm going to serve God tomorrow, guess what? (laughs) You're never going to serve him. Because you'll never find tomorrow. It's always a day away. Forget the past. You can't change it. Learn from it. But don't live in the past. Don't fret over the future. What shall be, shall be. It's in the hand of the Lord. The Lord knows what's, what's in our future, and he is providing for our future. Forget the past. Don't fret over the future. Live in the present, in the here and now. Serve him now. Love him now. Worship him now. Glorify him now. Honor him now. Be a today Christian. Pray, study, labor, and serve God now. When God speaks, do you hear his voice? Is it calling you tonight unto salvation? Well then, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Is he calling you tonight unto salvation? Then Call upon his name. Heed his voice. Receive eternal life. Is he calling you unto separation tonight? Or is he calling you unto service tonight? Then as Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. And that should be our reply tonight. Lord, what do you need me to do? That's what Paul said, isn't it? Paul on the road to Damascus on his way, by the way, on his way to kill believers, was, strict, was stricken by the Lord in, 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 the, in the roadway there, and he was saved. And the first thing Paul said is, Lord, what will thou have me to do? What do you want me to do, God? Here am I. Send me. Will you heed his commands tonight? Will you obey his voice or will you rebel? Will you hasten to do his will or will you delay your obedience? Will you put off obedience until it is too late? 
Here is where you must choose. This evening, after this message, no man can stand here and say, well, I didn't know this. I didn't understand this. I wasn't given a choice, an option to make a choice. I wasn't given a chance to to choose to obey God, to choose to serve God, to choose to live for God. No, no, there's no excuses. Every one of us tonight must pick a team. We must choose sides. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve man? Are you going to live for God or are you going to live for self? Are you going to honor God or are you going to glorify your flesh? You must choose. When God speaks, when God speaks, we must listen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the mercy that you've given us. Thank you for the wisdom that you impart to us. We praise you and thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given us that, that we might know truth. That you would teach us and instruct us and lead us and guide us. And Father, we get so involved in this world and we get so wrapped up in, in the cares of life. That too often, Lord, we forget about you. We, we only remember you, Lord, when we're in trouble or when... When we need help, then we remember the Lord. But, Father, you have so much more for us than this. So I pray that each of us here tonight would learn to listen for your voice and learn to to listen for your word and, and, and to follow you and to obey you and to commit ourselves to you and to serve you. Bless all that are here tonight. If, there, if there's anyone here tonight that isn't saved, I pray that you would open their eyes and Open their ears to your voice, and I pray that you would save them tonight. And for those that are saved here tonight, but have, have gotten so much of the noise of the world in their, in their heads, that they can't hear you, I pray that you would quieten things down for us and help our unbelief and help us, Lord, to, to hear you clearly and to, and to hasten to obey all that we hear. Thank you for this time now. Bless the pastor, we pray, at, at home as his... As he is sick, I pray that you would give him strength, that you would heal him, that you would bring him back to his, to his strength and that he could be here doing the things I know he loves to do. Thank you for everyone here. Bless each home, each life. And we thank you and we praise you for these things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.